Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I'm Pastor Ruth Gardner and we are tonight going to be continuing our book study on the secrets of the secrets of generational curses by Apostle Alexander Pagani. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to open up in prayer and we're going to get started. Go ahead, Elder. Thank you, Lord, for tonight, Father. We thank you for allowing us to come together once again to learn of you and learn more about the secrets to generational curses. Father, I pray that you would download fresh revelation. I pray that you would give us new insight on what we're learning. Let everything that we learn and talk about tonight be imprinted on our hearts and minds so that we may never forget. Father, bring fresh revelation, new perception, shift our paradigms on tonight. Bring forth deliverance. Use us in this area of deliverance and information so that we can help set the captives, captives free and help free people around us, our family, our friends, and unsaved um, loved ones and unsaved friends and unsaved um, believers all around, unsaved unbelievers, you know, all around us, Lord. Let us use what we learned tonight to draw someone closer to you, anyone, a child, a man, woman, boy, or girl, whoever. Let us use this information and apply it to our lives so that people can be free, people can be set free, so that people will no longer be bound by things that have been uh, giving them and having them run in circles and go through cycles in their lives. Father, let us use this information to break cycles in our lives and break cycles in our families' lives and break cycles around those who are around us. Uh, let us touch and may you touch and bring forth, you know, deliverance and restoration and uh, freedom in the name of Jesus, I pray. Use the speaker on tonight. Uh, give her clarity of thought, clarity of speech. In the name of Jesus, strengthen her body, strengthen all of our bodies. Shake us awake so that we can get through this lesson together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Elder. Amen. We praise God um, for this opportunity to even have this. I have to say this is a this is a uh, uh, a uh, war warfare manual. When um, you read this book, already it's like setting the is laying the foundation, giving us understanding. It's going. He's taking like he's just pulling back layers, and this is something that everyone who is involved in any type of deliverance ministry, this is truly a must-have book. This is a book 
that's going to give you insight and give you um, added strategy to what you're doing. It will enhance whatever it is that you know, because it, it gives you more of a background view. We know that because, you know, a lot of us have spirit of discernment and we can really um, pick up and sense when there's something of a demonic activity or a demonic presence. But this book is kind of laying a foundation to give us an understanding of what exactly is uh, how to and get a, and, and it gives us an understanding as to why, like it, it gives us background into how certain things happen, which can further enhance your process that you may already have in place concerning deliverance. So this is definitely a, a, a I mean, I'm on chapter two and I'm already talking about how good it is because of the fact that, you know, in the first chapter it talked about, you know, the, uh, the different ways and different um, how some curses are in the Bible and how they're hidden, how we can get an understanding about different curses. And then it goes on to say, just like there's generational curses, there are also generational blessings. And then um, now we're going into like, you know, epi epigenetics. And it's just, I'm floored because I know the Lord had kind of dropped that in my spirit about the DNA and genealogy. And here he is going straight into that. And it's like, it's just mind blowing to me. And I'm just like excited because I know it's because it's not going to, it's going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better as we go further in to um, reading and studying this. So in chapter two, it starts off with human wiring and epigenetics. And, um, what was interesting was he starts off this chapter and he talks about Noah. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this, but did you know that Noah was a descendant of Enoch? In the genealogy, yes. Yep. I did not know. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. And how he pointed it out, he said Noah was was perfect in his generations mm -hmm. and Noah walked with God. So he was pretty much saying that in his generations from Enoch all the way down to Noah, everybody in that genealogy was not tainted or not victims of a generational curse. Um, even though because of Adam, you know, there was something that was there, but it, the, the, before they, because they stayed before God, what was there did not have the opportunity to manifest. And that is what, um, the main thing that he was saying in this chapter, that even though the Bible says that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, you know, um, he even talked about that with David. We won't go into that. But even though the Bible says that we were born in sin and shape and iniquity, it means that, you know, basically that there's something there within us that has the potential to cause us to sin and also to activate any type of 
curses, for generational curses, bloodline curses, because things are traveled down through our DNA, through our family lines. Like, you know, certain diseases, we know we talked about that, certain um, sicknesses, there's a gene within us that has the potential to manifest if given the right conditions. So because of the fact that Enoch stayed before God, there was no opportunity for anything to taint his bloodline. So he goes all the way down to Noah, which I found was like, wow, this is like so awesome that he pointed all that out. Um, trying to think of anything else I wanted to say about that section. He breaks out about the courtroom. And he said, each life born on earth is not just the result of two humans coming together through intimacy and conceiving another life. A whole system is at work in the heavens for that, for that conception to be made possible. This is why human life is precious to God and the heavenly council that helps him govern the universe. Then he goes, I'm just going to read this part too. First, there is what the Bible calls foreknowing, which means God in his foreknowledge decided within himself, with no outside influence, what each human would look like, what personality they would have, what gender and character traits they would have, and so on. Once he foreknows, he predestines, which means he decides what destiny or role this person will play in fulfilling his sovereign will on the earth so before you know he talks before we were even conceived or born he already foreknew what what we were going to look like and then he predestined for us how are we what things what role will we play here on the earth before we were even conceived so Basically, what he was saying is our purpose is determined before we are even created. And it also says that our purpose is not connected to our gender. That's why I guess they say there's neither male or female, no Jew, nor Greek. So he already knew that for me, I was going to be, I was going to look like I am, right? And that my purpose my call was already determined before I was even created. Isn't that awesome? It's interesting because, you know, you're reading that part and then I'm looking at this next part. I, highlight, I highlighted all of that and I highlighted this too. He said, notice how God's will is determined before a body is assigned. Once a body is assigned, the person is born in this world already ordained to carry out God's purpose. We see this in the birth of Jeremiah. And I find that so interesting because, you know, you can even play a little, some people can play devil's advocate a little bit and be mm -hmm. like, you know, is it free will? But when you look at the wording is like, it, it is because it's up to us to carry out what's been placed inside of us or not we still have a choice and i find and like you said that's so it's so amazing to me because like he he ordains us he gives us already has our assignment already has our destiny predestined right when we the earth but he still gives us the choice to whether or not to do it whether whether or not we want to do it he gives us the free will to do it you know that choice to do it or not but then because it's there it's I, I, it's it's I can't even put it in words. It's so it's so intricate. 
and how he knows us and what we're going to going to do. See, yeah, I, I my my brain is going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I know because that's how God. That's what God does. He takes your brain down a rabbit hole. My God, because see, here's the thing. He knew we he he set us up. He gave us a purpose. He created us, and then he says, "This is him." If he now, if you stick with me, if you stick with me, all this blessings that I have for you, you will receive. But you have to stick with me. Then you hear you got that little, you know, you have one shoulder, Jesus, the good, the good angel on one shoulder, and the bad angel on the other. And you sit there, and he goes, okay, now if you stick with me, these are the things that I have. This is what I predestined for you to do. This is what. This is what. This is your whole life mapped out. If you stick with me, but if you choose to allow what Adam cursed you with, then now you're going to go down. This is going to manifest. That's going to manifest. This curse is going to happen. That, that, that's going to happen. But even in that, he still gives us the opportunity to get back over on his side. All through life, all through life, he gives us the opportunity to come back. Okay, I still, you know, I I know the plans I have for you. Okay, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. They're 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 they're, they're gonna they're gonna bring you to an expected end. And my expected end is that you're going to reign with me in eternity. I still have that plan for you, but if you decide to to to, to stray. You know, I, I can't protect you. But if you call on my name and you repent and you renounce that, I got you covered. Isn't that awesome? That's the job like you sleep. <laughs> Your eyes are closed. That's because I'm looking down reading. I know, I know, but it'll let your eyes are closed. You do um, that every so often too when you're looking down. <laughs> so it's um it's amazing how he already knew what he okay, he knew what we we're gonna do, but he also knows he has a he has a purpose for us and he does have a plan. He has a plan mapped out. It's not like it's a had ad hoc lifestyle, he has a plan for us. But if we choose to go another route, then, you know, if he choose to go another route, then, you know, that plan is over here. It's like over to the left. It's still there. That plan is still there and it's not too late. That's why he, he gives us opportunity to repent. And when we repent, he places us right back on that road, right back in that plan. It's been altered a little bit because we have done some things that, you know, he did not desire for us to do, but the end result is still the same. He may have to uh, revamp or revise it, so to speak, revise our walk, but it's still an expected end. So, and, with, and when, when we look at Enoch, Enoch didn't allow that opportunity to happen for him. And because of that, he was taken away. He didn't even see death. But his son, the, even Methuselah, 
was the oldest person recorded in the Bible. And he's from Enoch. Was it Enoch? His father was his grandfather, Methuselah. Enoch was Methuselah's father or grandfather. Let me see where I said that. Enoch was uh, Methuselah's uh, father. Yeah. So even in that, you know, the whole line, that whole bloodline walked with God. And the blessings just continue to go down through generation to generation to generation. Because when the world became so wicked and so vile that God had decided to destroy the earth and the people, it, Noah was the only family that was spared. That's awesome. Very, very awesome. Okay. Anyone got anything else they, they have to, they want to say or add? Or anybody have any questions about this? Okay. So now going further down. Is here's another verse. I'm on page 31. After the scripture was in Jeremiah. After Jeremiah's scripture, it says, here's another verse clearly outlining God's will over a person's birth. We just visited this passage in the last chapter, and it talked about the man that was blind again, the blind man. But here I want you to pay attention to the last sentence. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It is not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now, I'm sharing all this because before we begin to understand generational curses and their effect on human life, we have to see humankind's origin and connection to the courtroom of heaven. Generational curses originate in the courtroom of heaven. And um, we will discuss this further in other chapters. Okay. So I was shaping in iniquity. Now we talked about this part. I was shaping in iniquity. Now that we have an understanding of the court role, heaven's role in heaven, in the human life, the following verse will begin to make sense. And we will understand why David and said that he was shaped in iniquity in the womb. Okay. Now, do we have any questions about the courtroom? We kind of really didn't go into that. Do you want to go back and talk about the courtroom? Does anybody have any questions about that? Nope. Nope. So we know about the courtroom in heaven? Everybody has an understanding about the courtroom in heaven? No, I don't. Okay, so let's go back. I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to talk about the courtroom. Before we take a deep dive, going back to page 29, okay? Before we take a deep dive into the topic of generational curses, it is necessary to explain the courtroom of heaven's role in the creation of humankind and the current role it plays all throughout a person's life until death. Every person's life, purpose, destiny, geographical location, talents, family, exact day of death, so forth, have all been preordained by the courtroom of heaven. 
This is why when a person dies, that very same courtroom will call them into account concerning their life lived on the earth. So there's a place that's called the courtroom of heaven, where it pretty much is like your whole life um, played out. I don't know if anybody's seen this movie. It was a movie, it was an old movie. And it was like the person had died and they were in court. And they were showing him different things in his life that he did. I can't remember the name of this movie. It was an old, old movie, about maybe 70s, maybe 1970-something, like early 80s was a movie. Um, but it, it sat there and it was like a big screen and it was asking him questions and then it was showing him what he did at that time. Like, like the Scrooge movie? Something like that, yeah, yeah, okay. something like like Scrooge, where he took him back in time, but it was like you know Christmas past, present, and future. But it was like more of him sitting. He was actually sitting in a courtroom. He had a white, white toga on. I can't remember his name. He had Kurt. as a matter of fact, he played the voice. My nigga was it defending your life in 1991. Was it? Does it has the white guy with curly hair? Yes. Yeah, that's the voice of Nemo, father. And finding Nemo, he played the voice of Nemo's father. <laughs> but that's the name of it, Defending Your Life. Yeah, and it was like a movie where he had, he sat there and he was going through his life and kind of speaking on his behalf of what he did and everything. And it was very interesting how it had, it was in heaven. It was like a courtroom. And it's very interesting that they used that, um, that little scene. The whole movie was about that. So anyway, so that's pretty much like it is. It's like, when you, everything, everything that you, or your whole life is mapped out, your whole life is mapped out, even the day you die. And that's why you called into the courtroom of heaven and there you are sitting and um, they, it's like, it, it kind of debates and shows reflection of your life and all this stuff like that. All right. So a couple of factors are at work before a person is actually conceived in the womb, each life born on earth is not just the result of two humans coming together through intimacy and conceiving another's life. A whole system is at work in heaven, in the heavens, for that conception to be made possible. This is why human life is precious to God and the heavenly council that helps him govern the universe. So that's where we talked about. Did you come in when we were talking about foreknowing or Charmaine, did you hear that part about the foreknowing? Like he already knew what gender you were going to be. He already knew. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that, that's what the courtroom in heaven is about. So the courtroom in heaven is about um, your life and what, when you die, you're going to be judged for the things that you did and things that you didn't do. That's the courtroom in heaven. Now in the book of revelations, it goes into three different ways of judgment, white throne of judgment, great, you know, all those different things which um, hopefully he'll break down as you go further into the book. But basically you will be held accountable for your actions. And when you die, you will stand before God in the courtroom of heaven. And that's what this is talking about. Um, make sense? Yes, thanks. Okay, all right, all right. So, so, now I'm going back to page 32. So now that we understand the courtroom of heaven's role in human life, 
the following verses will begin to make sense and we will understand why David said that he was shaped in iniquity in the womb. And it says Psalms 50, 51 and 5. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, now this was interesting. Now, this was interesting. Okay. Because I was like, hmm. It made me think about some things. So what 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 Apostle Pagani was pulling out of this was that when we talk about generational curses, we talk about things coming down through the bloodline, right? Um, some theologians suggest that when, when David had said this quote, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, he was talking in reference to his own personal conception, not as a result of Adam's fall. Because we always take the scripture, he goes, you know, we always say, behold, I shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know, we always shaped in iniquity. Yeah, but, but see, but he specifies, theologians point out that, that Paul the Paul that David specifies that in sin did my mother conceive me. So, how is it sinful to be conceived if you're married, right? If you're married and your parents come together and and you get you know you conceive, how is that sinful, right? You understand? No reply, no comment. Everybody just listen. So he goes, let me start off by saying there is a lot to unpack in this verse. Many theologians suggest that suggest that statement from David is more than just a declaration that all humans are born in sin. It also refers to the origin of David's conception. Many theologians and seminarians teach that David was likely conceived as a result of an adulterous affair. Plausible, not absolute. It is assumed that when he, when the prophet Samuel asked Jesse if he had any more sons, it was because Jesse was trying to conceal David's existence. I was like, hmm. Because of the fact that when he asked him, did he have any more sons? He goes, oh, well, there's David. Because he told him in the beginning, bring all your sons before me. Yep. Why? Yep. Why? Huh? I said, yup, yup, yup. Why did he say, you know, why didn't he tell David to come? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, this is very interesting because it's a movie. What? I said, it's a movie. <laughs> the Old Testament is a movie. <laughs> Isn't it something? How, I, I, let me tell y'all something about this Old Testament. Y'all need to do a nose dive in. I know, Joya, how you feel because that's how I was. I read the old, I had to have read the old testament about four or five times back to back. I just kept going back over it, just kept going back. It was so much in the old testament, like wow. So, he so Samuel the prophet told Jesse to get all his sons and line them up, 
He he lined everybody up with David. And then God kept saying, it ain't him. It ain't him. It's not him. And he said, wait a minute, do you have any more other sons? He said, oh yeah, yeah, there's David out in the field, tending the sheep. He was like, duh, go get him. And sure enough, David was the one. So why would he exclude David? He said, this is also the reason why, why when David won favor with King Saul and was offered the king's daughter in marriage, he referred to his family as the lowest among all the tribes of Judah. His pessimism was deeply entrenched because of a secret past. This is all theological speculation among theologians, but food for thought is not, it's not definite, but it's just a thought. I mean, it, it, it does raise thought. Who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be king, pink king's son-in-law, David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. Now we look at David's birth from this plausible perspective sheds a bit more light on why David would stay in Psalms 52 that he was shaped in iniquity and in sin did his mother conceive him not as in born in sin because of Adam but as in willful transgression or not within the confines of marriage and in sin my mother conceived me because like like like, like I said if you're having you know consensual you know we all we, we're adults we ha you having sex between your husband and wife why would that be considered sin and god told us to multiply and be fruitful and multiply so how is that a sin why would his conception his birth him being conceived be considered sin any thoughts anyone got any maybe got another outlook or maybe another thought as the reason why david would say that because i'm 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 pretty much convinced that something was going on <laughs> something was going on i'm sorry i'm taking a sip of my juice that's interesting but if that's the case it would completely change lineage how would it change lineage because if he wasn't David's father. Then that lineage would be different. No, it would be his mom. Right. You would have to follow the lineage of his mom, not knowing who his father was. No, he was with his father. It would be his mom would be probably someone out of what like his dad would still be his dad. His dad was typically. Oh, so you mom. think he had may have had a different mother? Because I was thinking that, you know, because the way you were putting it, you know, he asked him, Where are your sons? And he brought everybody but him, like it wasn't his son. Well, he probably was, it was his son, but he probably was embarrassed yeah. because he, because of his mother. His mother, yes. all, all the other sons had the same mother except for David. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to. But this is what this is the this is the theologians' type of uh, point of view on this, which is rather interesting. Now, it's not saying that it is, 
theologians and and some of the uh the Jews, the um rabbis. They said it too. Mm -hmm. He said some of the rabbis said it, believe in it too. It's called Bava. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's further down. Uh, Bava Batra, the Babylonian Talmud, right mm -hmm. there. Um, Bava Batra, yeah, yeah. But this narrative is common in Jewish tradition, according to the Babylonian Talmud. Bava Batra, feel free to look it up. <laughs> wow. David is basically saying the potential controversy surrounding his conception is the root cause of his proclivities. Because here, okay, okay, what's here we go? Because now, if his daddy tipped out on, and, and, and you know, look what happened with him and Bathsheba and, and Uzziah. Okay. Is it there? He had to he had to, is it there? David had a lot of wives. He was married to Saul's daughter. Mm-hmm. Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. He had a whole bunch of concubines. Yeah, but yeah. but the thing, but I'm saying with Bathsheba, Bathsheba was somebody else's wife. wife. Mm -hmm. So who's to say? <laughs> speculation, speculation. It's all speculation. But who's to say Jesse didn't do the same thing? And here we find David doing the same thing that Jesse did, that Daddy did. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot. It was like, whoo. Because that came to me. I said, what if I was then I might explain why he did that with Bathsheba and had Uzziah die, killed. But the only difference was instead of letting him, letting the son, letting the child live, David. David didn't allow, God didn't allow the child to live. Okay, so. Okay, so let's see. David is basically saying the potential controversies surrounding his conception is the root cause of his proclivities. When people are suffering from an identity crisis, it is usually rooted in something surrounding their birth or the reason for their conception. You will often hear the famous phrase, I was born this way. All right. Epigenetic modification. Okay, here we go. Let's get to the good part. <laughs> In the last couple of years, there have been some scientific discoveries to verify that it's genetically possible that people are born this way, quote unquote, meaning born genetically predisposed toward a particular pattern of behavior that was inherited by a previous generation, which they have no control over, especially within the science of gender identity. When this news first hit, it was met with much skepticism by both the scientific community and the church. But in recent years, through more research, it has been scientifically proven excuse me, that a person can indeed be born this way. My own personal view has also evolved in the area according to this Bible verse we find here. And he said, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
If a person is shaped in iniquity, then the question to ask is, where did those iniquities come from? The text doesn't say I was shaped in sin. If so, it readily mean the sin of Adam that was passed down to all who are born on this earth. But it says iniquity. Now, this is very interesting. Iniquity is personal transgression committed over long periods of time in which a person has the potential to have their DNA altered towards a particular sin. So they go from doing this sin to actually embodying it. It would make sense that under the right conditions, a person can activate those iniquities. So it's been, so I put down, it's been here all the time waiting for an opportunity. Been here all the time, waiting for an opportunity, the right situation, the right atmosphere, the right scenario to just pop up. So epigenetics modifications are modifications to DNA that regulate whether genes are turned on or off. These modifications are attached to DNA and do not change the sequence of DNA building blocks, but give it information about how to behave. It, did you read that part? Give it information about how to behave. So have you heard someone say, I just couldn't help myself or I was born this way? Well, maybe they couldn't help themselves. And maybe, notice I said maybe, they were indeed born that way because the information to behave in that manner was already deposited in them through hereditary information. Because of this, my view of I was born that way has changed in recent years. I'm beginning to think that people indeed are born that way. And now it makes them a bit more sense. It makes a bit more sense why Jesus said, you must be born again. Come on, Alexander Pagani. I, I like that part. And you may have been born that way, but that's why Jesus said you must be born again, okay? Now, it may be in there. It may be something in there, something you were exposed to, something that came through your time when you're in your life, in your younger years, something that kind of triggered it. It was in the right, the right atmosphere or the right time and it's something may have tried to manifest. But yeah, that's why God said you need to be born again. That's why Jesus said that because you were born with that in you, but now you need to be born again. Come on now. How do, how do, is, how do Isaiah Salvador say, it? come on. <laughs> okay, so. Where am I? Okay. Okay, there it goes. You must be because of the epigenetic modifications. Okay, so blah, 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 blah. That's changed. I'm beginning to think that people indeed are born that way. And now it makes a bit more sense why Jesus said that you must be born again because of epigenetic modification, also known as hereditary sin, 
is a real thing and a person is born this way, then it must be broken through salvation by the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Noah was perfect in his generations, generations, meaning that his bloodline was free from any epigenetic modification. And I know he received it from his great grandfather, Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with, walked so closely with God that God took him. All right. Enoch's DNA was so full of God that his son Methuselah because of the, became the oldest person who ever lived. All right. Three generations later, a man named Lamech gave birth to a son and called him Noah and the rest is history. So we see why he started off the scripture in the beginning of this chapter about Enoch, about, about, um, Enoch and about Noah. So I like how he presented this because not everybody had an epigenetic modification. You know, there's some people who have, you know, through life, whatever, and then there's some people who have not. And I like how he pointed out that Noah generation did not because Enoch walked with God. Enoch stayed before God. Enoch stayed connected to God. And we you know, stay connected. I'm sorry, go ahead. There are some people that speculate that, you know, through sin changing the DNA and stuff of people, that one of the reasons why God had to destroy everybody else aside from Noah is because everybody else's DNA has been modified. So he needed to restart with clean, pure DNA. I'm quite sure that's exactly what happened. Because <laughs> it was wicked. The world was wicked. It was a wicked place. And it's saying, the Bible tells us, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be that the Son of Man returning. I mean, you know, there was a lot going on back in Noah's days. And there was a reason why God, you know, flooded the earth and kept Noah's uh, family. There was a reason behind it all. You know, there's a lot to speculate here. I, you know, I believe that what you just said, sir, was exactly what happened. And I believe now that this epigenetic modification is running rampant now. And I think God's getting ready to hit the reset button again. Now that I think about it, yeah, they Alexander Pagani and uh, I probably Pastor Vlad too when they were talking about the Nephilim. I believe that's exactly what uh, Alexander Pagani was hinting at that the Nephilim, because they mixed with, you know, their babies and stuff, the angels, you know, sleeping with the women and all the Nephilim and walking around on the earth and it was wickedness. That, yeah, that was the reason why they were. Um, God sent the flood to wipe them out because the DNA and all the mixing and all the all the mixing that they had was was it was just wicked and it was abominable. And so God had to wash it out and, and preserve Noah because, you know, his genes were untainted, his his DNA and his family were untainted by that. 
So yeah, I think yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, and Pagan, he said it. They were talking about the Nephilim and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because when you look in Genesis chapter, let me get Genesis chapter six. If you look at Genesis chapter, let's go to Genesis chapter six real quick. Excuse me. Mm, excuse me. Genesis, I can't even say it. If I can say the word Genesis. Genesis. Genesis chapter six and one. He said, um, they're still tampering with genes. Um, yeah, he's been, Alexander Pagan's been going at this for a while because I remember him saying something else about scientists finding, um, they're trying to find remnants of the Nephilim. They're trying to find like these, these ancient beings and they're trying to clone like they're playing with genetics they're playing with dna and playing with genetics and trying to mix stuff again um even now so, how foolish okay. is that <laughs> yeah as was the, as was in the days of noah i'm telling you these fools yeah. crazy but i want to show you in genesis chapter six um he talks about how this yeah, let's go to six and one. I'm going to read it down real quick. I'm reading the NIV. When the human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with human forever, but they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years old. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth, the human race. And I have created and, and that I have created and within the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I was made, that I had made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, yeah. That's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he did. Because it got so wicked and all that stuff was going on. Nephilim were marrying the, the human daughters, giants, and all that stuff it was crazy. It was going on. Crazy. Evil. She he said the, the the heart was only evil all the time. That the heart knew nothing but the human heart knew nothing but evil. And the Bible talks about how the heart of men are waxing cold. It's going back to that same uh, posture. Their hearts are becoming evil all the time. It is getting crazy out here. Getting crazy. And now you talk about how they're trying to find the DNA and, and, and create 
for the superhero superhumans. They crazy. They been they been messing around. We I don't seen the movies. What the movie we saw where they made um Iron Man. Remember that movie Iron Man when the people were, were human combustion, they were blowing up because the, the heat was too hot and they were blowing up like bombs, playing around with people's DNA, shooting them up with stuff. You better stop. That stuff be real. So if the people doing this believe in Nephilim, then they must believe in the accounts of the Bible. So if you have to believe in the accounts of the Bible and know that the world was destroyed because of this, why would you try to recreate them? That is foolishness. I just told you why. I know, but I'm just like, it's just... <laughs> the human heart was only evil all the time. <laughs> all the time it's it's that little g it's that little g little g god complex right i think they they can just have a different outcome what's the definition of insanity mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. doing the they same thing the same way and expecting different results they so smart they dumb you know stupid but yeah um so you know all this is going on here All of this is going on. So, so anyway. Crazy. All right, so where were we? Okay, I see that's why I melted that clip. Okay. This is why when you visit a medical clinic for the first time, they make you fill out paperwork with questions about your background. Why is this done? The doctor doesn't want to have a have to guess at what's wrong with you. That's why they do a family history. They try to see what your genetic makeup is, what's in your bloodline, diabetes, high blood pressure, who got diabetes, anybody in your family, siblings, anybody have a history of diabetes, anybody have a history of cancer, anybody have a history of, of any mental disorders, anybody have a history, you know, they ask all these questions on your um, forms, any type of sickness, anybody have problems with kidneys or, or liver issues, yep. They ask all these questions when you go in because they want to narrow it down so they can kind of zero in on what they're looking at and what they're looking for. Mm -mm -mm. So th th through discernment, the Holy Spirit can show you which information is being transferred from one generation to the next or rather which lies the enemy had caused your family to believe which judgment and curse from heaven is being enforced sometimes when you meet people you can just sense either the blessing of the lord on them or a curse you ever notice that when you come around some people you go mm, I don't something about their own mm, i don't feel comfortable around them you ever felt that way just like could be a total stranger and it, and if they walk up by you or near you or they start talking to you you get like that eerie feeling like mm. of course well i have i think all of us have i think that's what it is i think you just picking up whether or not that's a, there's a blessing or a curse on that person mm, some people just got demons 
Yeah, you can pick up things with people. <laughs> I was trying to be nice about enjoying it. <laughs> you, you pick it up on Esbert. Esbert. But I mean, you know, but though, yeah, yeah. Some people, and that's what it is. It's a blessing or a curse on them. If somebody has a demon, that's a curse. So, you know, because, you know, and you can, even some sometimes you could just like how people look their continents look kind of kind of weird like oh what's up with that oh something right there <laughs> and the holy spirit kind of lets you know it's that spirit of discernment is that gift of discernment this is in the coming chapters we will thoroughly flush this out i don't know you say flush this out to help you better understand what you might need to do, some house cleaning, and also where you might need to do some enforcing. So, you know, we, like I said, we just at the tip of the iceberg, we haven't even gone into the meat of this book yet. So then he talks about curses from both sides. Um, and he talked about, I liked how he, I'm just gonna kind of, kind of not read it, read it, but I'm gonna just kind of talk about this section where he talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth and how it affected John the Baptist. Did you saw that? Did y'all read that? Wasn't that interesting? What it, what basically was happening was that Zachariah had doubt and Elizabeth was kind of embarrassed or had shame. So she hid herself and Zachariah had doubt as to whether or not the angel of the Lord was speaking the truth. And so here we see John the Baptist come on the scene and where he was at, he was a voice crying in the wilderness. He was out in the woods, in the wilderness, eating honey and locusts. He isolated himself. Like Elizabeth isolated him when she was pregnant. She isolated herself because of her old age. She was kind of embarrassed that she was pregnant. So she hid herself. And it took Mary going, oh, God sent Mary over there. Where the angel Lord told Mary to go over there and see Elizabeth. Elizabeth's pregnant. And so that kind of encouraged her. And then Zachariah didn't believe um, that the angel was speaking the truth. So here, when John got arrested, he started having doubt as to, not, as to whether or not Jesus was truly the Messiah. So he sent his followers to ask him, was he, is he really the one or is there another one coming? So you see between both of his parents both sides um you see where um it reflected on him as as a person when he got older and then the other example which was awesome was Tubal Cain Tubal Cain and and he's I think he specified that in this in the bible it's not, it's very rare that you'll get the first and last name of a person. But in this situation and in this particular scripture, it 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 named this person's first and last name, Tubal Cain. Come to find out, he was a descendant from Cain, the one who killed Abel. And Tubal Cain was a um he was uh he was to be the father of weaponry. He was a um crafty 
weapon maker. He forged weapons to blockade. And then you hear about his great, 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 great grandfather, Cain, who forged a weapon to kill his brother, Abel. It only makes sense that the information was travel, traveling down the bloodline. So he got great, 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 great. How many greats is in front of him? Great, 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 great grandfather, Cain, killed Abel. And here now you hear, you see, how many as a four generations later, Tubal Cain making weapons. Isn't that something? So there's a curse wired to your last name, maybe perhaps. And I used to say that, like I had mentioned before, I used to say root wilder than ever. Last name was Wilder. And we were just wild. We were wild. I was wild. I was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Wired from birth. Here we got to talk about Goliath. Goliath was raised up in war. As a young child, he was raised up in war. So Goliath was this 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 big fighter. He was he was this big fighter. Um, from a young child, he was trained to fight. So, and we see that a lot today over in um, the Middle East, even in Africa, these young boys being trained from, from an early age to, to war, to shoot, learning how to shoot guns and all that stuff. Like they they raised their young kids, like I'm talking seven, eight-year-old kids learning how to shoot a gun, learning about warfare and engaging in war. Okay. So on page 41, after he talks about um, about Goliath and about how he was genetically predisposed to war because at, at an early age, it was just embedded in him. You know, the epigenetic modification showing that people can be born with information already deposited in their genes. This process makes it easier to continue certain patterns of behavior. It also explains why a young child can act, talk, and walk like some deceased family member. They never met. But if that person is genetically close enough to be to the child, that information is readily available. It talks about how Goliath was able to fight the way he did. He was a skilled fighter. So it can travel through, like, see, like some people have an artistic gift. Some people can create, you know, somebody in their family can, 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 can create or make things. And so now you can create or make things. I mean, your father had to give, like, like Pastor John, your father can make like these beautiful um, things. He's, he's very creative um, art. He has a very um, creative art skill, skill set. And here now your brother 
your brother Joe can draw very well. And then you can build things by just looking at it. You don't even have to get a blueprint or anything. You can just build it. We show you a picture of it and you go out and build it. So that's that gift that your father, that genetic epigenetic modification that he, that he instilled in you. Singing, you know, people have to get, some people can sing. There's certain people in the family that can sing. Not everybody can, hmm. but there's some people in the family that can sing. My father could sing. I could sing. Joy could sing. Shamin could sing. You know, it's that, it's that epigenetic genetic modification that just kind of spilled down and traveled down. See, that's a blessing. That's not a curse. Sang, daughters. So, um, <laughs> so um, it was easy for him to challenge the children of Israel to fight a fight because all he knew was fighting. No different from folks who only knew how to sin. All they know is fornicating. All they know is simple lifestyle passed down to them. That's where, you know, like the drugs or the drinking or, you know, um, gambling, people gamble, you know, things like that. Everyone is born with this wiring already deposited in them. These deposits are called treasures. This is very important. Very interesting thing that he talked about. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's Matthew 6 and 20. Jesus wasn't talking about money because we don't need money in heaven, right? He wasn't talking about, you know, gold or silver or precious treasures. He wasn't talking about that, okay? He was talking about deposits of lifestyle, good deeds, and so on. It all gets stored up to be distributed for your future, future generations. Why? Because the same principle can be applied to generational blessings. Some people are born into families that love and honor God. And you see just how different their families turn out. Peace, joy, blessings, and favor seem to be their portion. Okay. If you're reading this right now and feel like you're under a generational curse, you could turn that around. You can open a new heavenly bank account and begin to make deposits that can change the destiny of your bloodline. Heaven desires to bless you. So even if you feel, see, this is the thing generational curses can be broken if you feel that there is a generational curse in your bloodline you can begin to exchange all those treasures those things that motivate you that are of evil to good start doing things that will bless god that will glorify god show love to one another um do good deeds to one another love like like like, like Jesus loves us, you know, begin to show the love of Christ to others and begin to show the love of Christ to your families, to your children, to your, to your siblings. You know, we can just begin to show the love of Christ to, to people and walk in love, walk in love. And you'll begin to store up treasures. Your treasures begin, the, 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 the depository will change. Amen. Amen.
I need to hear y'all. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creations. Being wired with information make it easy to walk in the footsteps of a previous generation. All right, so that's where we're going to stop at. We're going to pick up at the footsteps. And we're going to read from 42, starting at the footsteps to the end of the chapter. And that'll be for next week. Any questions about anything we read? Any comments? Anything you need clarification on? Anybody have any questions about anything? No, I don't have any questions. I, I think this book is really good so far. Yeah, I, I like how it um really is like he's really, really, like really laying it out, like giving mm -hmm. full understanding. I love how he's using scripture to mm -hmm. reference. I mean, he's laying like a really good foundation before he goes into like deeper stuff, which I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna start getting deeper stuff. What is chapter three? What's chapter? I'm trying to see the curse in the courtroom. See, he's gonna go back into the yeah. He's really, really it's like he's taking his time. It's like I'm gonna take my time in this book. Y'all gonna get this understanding. We ain't gonna rush through nothing. I'll make sure you was totally understand what's what's happening, Captain. So we are so so excited. But that ends our lesson for tonight. So Pastor John, can you go ahead and pray us out and dismiss us, please? Wait a minute, hold up before you do. Do anybody have any questions? Is there anything that we talked about that you want to discuss? Or um, Shami, you have anything you want to ask? Or is there any, any questions? Do you understand what's going on and how it's breaking down? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Enjoy, you good, right? You understand, you good. John, we good? Mm-hmm. All right, Pastor John, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for allowing us to uh, to come together, God, to read this book, to learn of you, and to learn the tactics, tactics of the enemy, God, for uh, opening up our eyes to generational curses and things that may be following us down our bloodlines. And God, as we continue to read this, God, we pray, God, that you would open up our eyes and give us strategy in order to fight against these things, that we can overcome every attack of the enemy in our lives. In the name of Jesus, God, God, that our future bloodlines may be free and be be able to walk up right before you without having these generational things that may be coming down from other other people and other habits and things like that god but help us lord god to be able to live in the freedom of you god and god we thank you god for just continuing to lead us and to guide us into all righteousness and strengthening us to god to to do your will and god we thank you forever give your name the praise the glory and the honor in jesus name we pray amen Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign 
VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.